How do you picture heaven? Is it a literal place where believers dwell for eternity? Or is it more of a hazy concept that everyone experiences differently? Today on Turning Point, Dr. David Jeremiah brings heaven into focus with some compelling and biblical reasons why it should be thought of as a very real place. Listen now as David introduces the conclusion of his message, What's Up With Heaven? You know, some years ago, I did a whole series of messages on heaven, and it was kind of like what you probably never thought about concerning heaven. And one of those messages um, was about what we're talking about right now, where heaven is, how you locate it, what's there when you get there, what will it be like? And uh, we're having a great time exploring that. And explore, we should, because we're going to spend eternity there. We're going to be with the Lord Jesus Christ in heaven forever and ever. And um, shouldn't we know something about it? Someone once told me that God doesn't tell us a lot about heaven, because if he did, we'd be so heavenly-minded, we'd be no earthly good. But that's true to a point. There's not a lot of information about heaven, but there is information about heaven. And what we can know, we should know. And I hope you'll join me in that quest. We'll get to it in just a moment. Let me just keep reminding you of the, well, the special nature of the study guide series for this series of lessons. Three study guides, all of them perf-bound, 140 pages in length. If someone came up to you on the street and asked you a question about current events and the signs of the times, what would you say? Well, the purpose of the study guides is to give you more of a permanent record of what we're talking about every day on the radio. And I'd love for you to get this series of three study guides called 31 Undeniable Prophecies of the Apocalypse based upon the Book of Signs. You can get these study guides from Turning Point. Once again, davidjeremiah.org. And you can get all the information you need to acquire these study guides and have them sent to your home. Well, let's finish up what we discussed yesterday with another lesson on what's up with heaven. Please hear me. Heaven is not, as some people say, an imaginary place. Some people say heaven is a benevolent state of mind, a reward for being good. Some say heaven or hell is whatever you make of it in this life, a projection of the best in yourself. But listen to me, men and women, heaven is a prepared place for a prepared people. Jesus said, I go to prepare a place for you. And I believe that there is a literal place called heaven. If you ask me exactly where it is, I don't know that I can answer that totally with authority, but let me tell you what I believe the Bible teaches. Most of the time when we talk about heaven, we say it's up, don't we? Heaven is up. Ephesians 4.10 says that he who descended is also the one who ascended far above the heavens that he might fill all things. And when Jesus was ready to go back to heaven in his ascension, in Acts chapter 1 verses 10 and 11, we read, while they looked steadfastly toward heaven, he went up. Behold, two men stood by them in white apparel, who also said, Men of Galilee, why do you stand gazing into heaven? This same Jesus who was taken up from you into heaven will so come in like manner as you saw him go into heaven. So we would have to assume that heaven is up. But which way is up? If we say 
It is in the direction at right angles with the Earth's surface, wherever we may happen to be, then it would be in a different direction from every point on the Earth. (laughs) According to this, up would be everywhere in general and nowhere in particular. It would be different if you were in China than it is if you were in America. Well, let me just try to help you with this if I can. Where is heaven? Heaven is up. But I want you to read with me a passage that gives us a little information on Isaiah chapter 14. It has to do with the issue of Satan and his being kicked out of heaven. But notice chapter 14. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north. Just underline that last phrase. Referring to the place where he was as heaven, he refers to it in this chapter as the farthest sides of the north. Now, no matter what part of the earth you are on, no matter where you are standing, north will always be up. It would seem reasonable to conclude that heaven is somewhere in the northern heavens beyond the reach of the astronomer's powerful telescope. And scientists tell us there is such a place that seems to be somewhat vacant of stars and galaxies, and it is in the northern heavens, and most scholars who want to particularly place heaven in the third heaven section say it's in the northern part of the third heaven. Now, when I try to explain that to my wife, she said, Honey, all the people who come to our church from the south are going to be real mad at you. (laughs) Heaven is not in the south, it's in the north. Just going to have to take it by faith. That's what the Bible says. And we'll deal with that whole issue later. All right? So heaven is a place. And as you stay with us through this series, I'm going to give you such specific details about the nature of heaven that you will never again doubt that. Do you know there's an issue that I need to deal with sometimes? People say, well, heaven is so magnificent. You know, the mind can't conceive of it. The mind can't. No, no, that's not true. In the passage that says that heaven is such a place that we cannot conceive of it, the next verse says, but it has been revealed to us what it is. Because it's in the Word of God. And it's amazing. It is amazing. And it's so much fun because most people don't know about it. They just don't know. If we understood everything the Bible tells us about heaven, we'd have such a longing to be there. It would occupy our attention and our thought process. Heaven's a place. But I want you to notice, lastly, that heaven's important because of the preciousness of it. Heaven is a precious place. You say, well, Pastor Jeremiah, why is it precious? Because everything that is near and dear to you and to me, everything that's important to a person who's a Christ follower, everything that's meaningful to anyone who says that they love God and they're followers of Christ, everything important to them is in heaven. Everything. First of all, let me tell you, your Redeemer is in heaven. Did you know that? This is what it says in Hebrews 9, For Christ has not entered the holy place made with hands, which are copies of the true, but he has entered into heaven itself, now to appear in the presence of God for us. Our Redeemer is in heaven. You know, we can argue a lot about heaven and its beauty, and we're going to take it apart and put it back together, but it's interesting when you do all of that. I have a feeling when we get to heaven and we see the golden streets and the gates of pearl and all of those other things which are really true, they're going to fade into insignificance when we see the Savior. 
when we are able to get our eyes upon the one who paid the penalty for our sin and hung on the cross, when we're able to see the nail prints in his hands and perhaps even the place where the crown of thorns crushed his brow and put our hand in the side where the spear was, Jesus will appear, I believe, in heaven throughout eternity as the Lamb of God and our Redeemer, and he will carry with him throughout eternity the scars of our redemption. And when we see Jesus, heaven will really be heaven. Everything else will pale in insignificance. One author that I read said, if he could be in heaven and just peek through a keyhole for one second every thousand years and see Jesus, it'd be worth going. And I want to tell you something, it's going to be far better than that. I don't know how it all works, but we're going to be able to fellowship with him personally and know him in a way that's even beyond our knowledge of him now. Our Redeemer is in heaven. And then secondly, our relationships are in heaven, aren't they? If you have loved ones who have died and they're Christians, they're in heaven. You ought to think about heaven just because of that. My father told me toward the end of his life, he said, you know, one of the things about getting old that's kind of tough is you have more friends in heaven than you have on earth. And he was right about that. Isn't isn't that true? It kind of is a gradual thing as you get older. You hear about somebody who is a contemporary of yours who's gone to be in heaven. And now here we are, Don and I, and we're the patriarchs in our family because our parents, all four of them, are gone. They're in heaven. And I care about that. And we're going to see our family in heaven. I want you to read with me this verse from Hebrews 12 where the writer of Hebrews says, To the general assembly and the church of the firstborn who are registered in heaven, to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of just men made perfect. This is a reference to the population of heaven and the fact that our loved ones are there. Our Redeemer will be there, but our loved ones are there too. And, you know, we're going to have a chance to interact with them. And people are going to say to me, Will you know each other in heaven? Well, you just keep coming and I'll help you understand that. Surely you will. Interestingly enough, the ladies' home journal ran a poll. I can't believe they did this for me. It's so wonderful. And the question was, who would you most like to see first in heaven? And here are the results. 31% said mother. 16% said father. And 10% said spouse. (laughs) That's a pretty sad story right there, isn't it? There's something going on there we don't know. I don't know. Maybe it was the way they asked the question. You know, I'm not sure. Well, our Redeemer's in heaven. Our relatives are in heaven. Notice, thirdly, our resources are in heaven. First Peter 1, 3 and 4 says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who according to his abundant mercy has begotten us again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And watch this. To an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, that does not fade away, reserved in heaven for you. When you became a Christian, God became your father. And you know what? When God became your father, he made you an heir. You're an heir of God. And you now have an inheritance. And Peter says that inheritance has gone ahead of you. It's preserved in heaven forever. It cannot ever go away. It's not going to be touched by inflation. It's not going to be hurt by any of the ups and downs that we experience economically here. You have an inheritance in heaven that is preserved for you. It's got your name on it. It's your inheritance. Your resources are in heaven. Number four, your residence is in heaven. Now, I'm not just talking here about where you live. I'm talking here about your citizenship. Philippians 3.20 says it this way, For our citizenship is in heaven, 
from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Friends, we are not citizens primarily of this land. When you get your passport and you have to put down where you were born and your place of residence, you usually put, I was born in Toledo, Ohio, and I live in San Diego County. But my real residence is in heaven. I'm an ambassador. I'm on a visa down here. And I'm just trying to represent my country best and represent my Savior best. This world is not my home. I'm just passing through. My treasures are laid up somewhere beyond the blue. And my citizenship is in heaven. That's why Paul tells us, set your affection on things above and not on things below. Because once again, if you forget about heaven and you never look up, all you've got to do is look around. And I'll tell you what, looking around can get real depressing. Amen? That's why we need to look up. We need to be reminded that we are citizens of another place. And one of these days, we're going home to the homeland and we'll be at home with Jesus forever. Our Redeemer is in heaven. Our relationships are in heaven. Our resources are in heaven. Our residence is in heaven. Our reward is in heaven. Matthew five twelve says, Rejoice and be exceedingly glad, for great is your reward in heaven. One of the messages during this series I'm going to devote to the rewards of heaven. Did you know there are five crowns that are available to those of us who are Christians that we can earn while we're on this earth? Are you in the running for a crown? Did you know that such a thing existed? Some people say, well, it doesn't seem spiritual to be looking for a reward. I'll tell you something. God is into rewards. And all through the Bible, God is into motivation and rewards. And if you don't believe that, you haven't read the Scripture. God wants us to be faithful, and he holds out for us a crown that we can aspire to. And one day in heaven, we're going to get our rewards, and our crowns will be given to us. And then we're told that we're going to cast those crowns at the feet of Jesus in an act of worship that will be unlike anything we have ever experienced before. I pray I won't be empty-handed. I pray I won't be in the line with no crowns to give back to my Lord. Our rewards are in heaven. And then our riches are in heaven. Matthew 6 says that we're not to lay up for ourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal. But lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Let me just touch on this briefly. The way you send your treasures to heaven, listen to me, the only thing that's going to go from here to there And the only way you can get your treasure from here to there is to invest it in the things that are going there. The only things that are going there from this earth are the souls of men and women and the Word of God. So if I were you and you're trying to build a little equity in heaven, I'd be investing myself, both my personal resources by way of talent and time and treasure, in the eternal souls of men and the eternal Word of God Because when you get to heaven, that's the only thing you're going to see that went on before you that's invested there at this present time. Are you headed towards your treasure? I hope you are. Finally, and we're finished, our reservation is in heaven. This is the most important thing. Revelation 21, 27 says this, But there shall by no means enter into heaven anything that defiles or causes an abomination or a lie, but only those who are written in the Lamb's book of life. The Bible says that in heaven there is a book, a registry. It's called the Lamb's book of life. 
and the names of all who will be in heaven are recorded in that book somebody says I wonder if it's computerized I don't know but it's a book however you want to say a book and there's a place in that book for your name and for mine Jesus said to his disciples on one occasion nevertheless do not rejoice in this that the spirits are subject to you but rather rejoice because your names are written in heaven let me ask you this question is your name written in heaven do you have a reservation in heaven because one day you're going to stand before God and he's going to say to you why should I let you into my heaven and if you can't say with authority my name is in the book I have a reservation I have put my trust in Jesus Christ as my Savior and therefore I qualify to come in if you don't have that power that strength that confidence you will never ever be in heaven Ruthanna Metzger is a professional singer and she tells a story that illustrates the importance of having your name written in the book several years ago Ruthanna was asked to sing at a wedding in Seattle where she lives and in her story she says it was a very very plush posh wedding one of the wealthiest families in the city their daughter was getting married and she was asked to be the soloist and she was excited about the invitation for two reasons first of all it was quite an event but secondly the reception for this wedding was going to be held on the top two floors of the Columbia Tower the tallest building in the Northwest and very very exclusive and she couldn't help but think about how much fun it would be for her and her husband Roy to go to the reception so the wedding came and when it was over they drove down to the towers and they went to the reception desk and there was a tuxedo dressed maitre d there who was introducing everyone and he was offering luscious hors d'oeuvres and exotic beverages as they came to this place the bride and the groom approached a beautiful glass and brass staircase that led up to the top floor someone ceremoniously cut a satin ribbon draped across the bottom of the stairs they announced the wedding feast was about to begin and the bride and groom ascended the stairs followed by all of their guests at the top of the stairs the maitre d with a bound book greeted the guests outside the doors may I have your name please he said I am Ruth Anna Metzger and this is my husband Roy he searched the M's I'm not finding it he said would you spell it again Ruth Anna spelled her name out very slowly after searching the book the maitre d looked up and said I'm sorry but your name isn't here well there must be some mistake Ruth Anna said I'm the singer I sang for the wedding and the gentleman answered it doesn't matter who you are or what you did without your name in the book you cannot attend the banquet he motioned to a waiter and called him over and he said show these people to the service elevator please and they were ushered out of that area of the towers past beautifully decorated tables that were laden with shrimp and whole smoked salmon magnificent carved ice sculptures and adjacent to the banquet area there was an orchestra preparing to perform all of them dressed in white tuxedos the waiter led Ruth Anna and Roy to the service elevator ushered them in and pushed G for the parking garage after locating their car and driving out 
of the area several miles in silence. Roy reached over his hand and put it on Ruthanna's knee and said, Sweetheart, what happened? Well, she said, when the invitations arrived, I was just jammed up, busy. I never bothered to RSVP. And besides, I was the singer. Surely I could go to the reception without returning the RSVP. Ruth Anna started to cry, not only because she had missed the most lavish banquet she had ever been invited to, but also because she suddenly had a small taste of what it will be like someday for people as they stand before Christ and they find their names are not written in the Lamb's Book of Life. And when she told the story, she said, and then they will be put on an elevator that doesn't stop at the garage. In that same chapter where Jesus said, in my house are many mansions, he tells us how to make the reservation. And I want to tell you something that's the greatest good news I could ever say. Almighty God is still accepting reservations for heaven. Amen. Amen. If you've never put your trust in Christ, it's not too late, not too late yet. (laughs) Amen. Do you remember I read to you from John chapter 14 and I said that when Jesus got done telling everybody where he was going, that Thomas, the doubter, remember Thomas always questioned everything. Thomas said, Lord, we don't even know where you're going. How can we get there? In other words, we don't have a map. We don't know anything. We don't know how to get there. And I don't know if you've ever connected these verses because they're very famous verses. But Jesus spoke to all of the disciples in verse 6, and he said, Thomas, I know you don't know where I'm going, and I know you don't know how to get there, but let me just put your heart at ease. I am the way, the truth, and the life. No man comes to the Father but through me. Now, friends, you are going to really struggle with that if you're into the political correctness of our culture. It doesn't sound charitable to say that the Bible teaches that Jesus is the only way to heaven. But let me ask you this question. What if he is? What if he is? My friends, he is the only way to heaven. And if you miss Jesus, you miss getting a reservation in heaven. And one day, just like Ruth Anna and her husband, you're going to stand before the Mater d' of heaven And he's going to say to you, I can't find your name in the book. And you'll have to leave. And the Bible even kind of gives us the script for that. Jesus will say, depart from me. I never knew you. I want to tell you with all of the sincerity in my heart, Almighty God is inviting you to the banquet. He's inviting you to come and receive his forgiveness. He wants you to become a Christian by receiving Jesus Christ on the cross who died for you, paid the penalty for your sin, who was raised again the third day and offers to all who will put their trust in him salvation full and free. Have you done that? Do you have your name written in the Lamb's Book of Life? You know what? If you haven't, you can do it today. And I want to invite you to do it. And if you make that decision today, I want to encourage you to get the two booklets that we make available to people who accept Jesus Christ. One of them is called Your Greatest Turning Point, and the other is called First Steps of Faith. You can get these booklets um, by simply asking for them uh, when you call or write, and we will put them in the mail to you without charge. 
They're there to help you get started in your walk with Christ, and I hope you will take advantage of them as we make them available. Tomorrow here on Turning Point, we're going to talk about the pretenders, and I'm going to leave you to wonder what that's all about. As you think about joining us tomorrow, uh, we will be opening our Bibles again, and we'll be talking about this particular subject. So far this month, we've talked about the rapture of the redeemed, the ultimate extreme makeover, what's up with heaven, and now tomorrow, the pretenders. We're going through the 31 signs of the apocalypse, and I hope you keep joining us every day as we unfold these incredible stories. Don't forget, our resource for the month is Bible Prophecy by the Numbers. You can get this little booklet from Turning Point. It's yours for the asking when you send a gift to Turning Point during the month of April. Thank you for your investment and for believing in what we're doing to get the Word of God out around the world. We'll see you tomorrow. Our message today came to you from Shadow Mountain Community Church and Senior Pastor Dr. David Jeremiah. Will you share with us how Turning Point is helping you in your daily walk? Write to Turning Point for God of Canada, P.O. Box 18098, Delta, B.C., V4L2M4. Visit our website at davidjeremiah.ca slash radio or call 800-946-4300. Ask for your copy of Bible Prophecy by the Numbers. David's new resource that reveals the meanings of numbers in Scripture. It's yours for a gift of any amount. You can also download the free Turning Point mobile app for your smartphone or tablet. Or search in your app store for the keywords Turning Point Ministries to access our programs and resources. Visit davidjeremiah.ca slash radio for details. This is David Michael Jeremiah. Join us tomorrow as we continue the series Signs right here on Turning Point with Dr. David Jeremiah. Take the young ones in your life on an unforgettable journey that will get them excited about the Word of God with Airship Genesis Legendary Bible Adventures from Turning Point. Tune in to our monthly audio adventures and join the Genesis Exploration Squad as they travel back in time to experience the stories of the Bible firsthand and discover life-changing lessons. Also available is the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, packed with the biblical content specifically written for kids from trusted Bible teacher, Dr. David Jeremiah. You can also download our Airship Genesis mobile game on your favorite smart device and play as your favorite characters in this puzzle adventure game as the squad experiences the life of Jesus firsthand. Just go to your app store and type the keywords Airship Genesis. For more details or to order a copy of the Airship Genesis Kids Study Bible, visit our website at airshipgenesis.com Bible. That's airshipgenesis.com Bible. Turning Point presents the Jeremiah Study Bible. Jumpstart your Bible study with more than 8,000 study notes from Dr. Jeremiah to help you discover what the Bible says, what it means, and what it means for you. Available in the New King James and New International versions in standard or large print, as well as the English Standard Version in standard print. For more details or to order your copy, go to davidjeremiah.ca slash jsb. Physical exercise is a hot topic today. The obesity crisis, rising health care costs, and sedentary lifestyles are causing all of us to include exercise as a regular part of our life. 
physically. Exercise stretches our muscles and in some cases tears them so that when they heal they actually grow back stronger than before. Spiritual exercise works the same way. Our primary spiritual muscle is faith and when our faith is stretched and challenged it actually gets stronger as a result. Yes, spiritual exercise can be uncomfortable at the moment, but as with physical exercise, we are much healthier, spiritually speaking, as a result. This is David Jeremiah, encouraging you to get on the road to new life. Discover how God builds your faith on Route 66. Route 66, driving the word home. Log on to Route66life.com. Start your journey home today.